This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. It's Bill Bartholomew here with you for new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And of course, you can check the archive of nearly 300 episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or ripodcast.com. Today, we welcome the new mayor of Warwick, Rhode Island, Frank Picosi, for an interesting conversation, kind of all over the place on his goals as mayor, sort of community building, where he wants to focus. He really goes out of his way to identify himself as a non-politician, his relationship with the media, and really where he wants to see Warwick go as a municipality. We talk development, we talk affordable housing, we talk the relationship with the airport, schools, the different neighborhoods in the city. Lots in there on the third largest municipality here in Rhode Island on this edition of Beantown. By the way, Folks, it's been a really interesting period here in the Ocean State, obviously, with Governor Raimondo leaving to become Joe Biden's Commerce Secretary, Dan McKee sworn in as the 76th governor of the state. We just had a special election. The General Assembly's back. It does seem like we're finally catching up in terms of vaccinations and getting them into the arms of the right people and developing a plan that can kind of move us forward from where we've been for quite some time as far as COVID-19. I want to remind you that every Thursday at 1 p.m., I'm in the room for the weekly COVID-19 briefing with the Rhode Island Department of Health and Governor McKee. You can stream that live on our Facebook group. Just search Bartholomew Town on Facebook. Make sure you join the group. You'll also be able to interact with other viewers, and I post a bunch of stuff in there, and there's always an interesting conversation throughout the day on Rhode Island politics and a little bit beyond there as well. That's the Facebook group, Bartholomew Town. You may also follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bill Bartholomew. Lots going on here in the Ocean State on a regular basis, and I try to bring it to you as soon as it happens across social media. You can also send me an email anytime, bill at ripodcast.com. I get back to everybody, so if you have a question that you want me to ask somebody in government or media, whatever, send it on over. I'll do the best I can to to put it forth, or maybe I can answer it myself as well. I mean, I'm certainly not... uh, an expert on all these topics, but um, you know, I get a lot of information thrown at me that I can direct back to you as well. Constituent services here at B Town, so to speak. You know, it's been, as I mentioned, it's it's been kind of a whirlwind year, you know, and we're all just sort of hoping that the virus will be contained in a manner that we can sort of move into what they were describing in the Department of Health and even Governor Raimondo back in I think even December. A normal, a great Rhode Island summer. And that's certainly not something that seems so far-fetched at this point in time. Now, I think it'll always be a little bit different. Of course, you know, you're going to have people on masks. There's going to be common sense that's going to have to be taking place on a regular basis. But it is relieving to know that we're getting this dialed in. We seem to be getting the vaccinations into the right arms, as I said earlier. And we've got a testing and triage situation set up that is effective. The virus is certainly not over. And I mean, if you look at expertise, it may not be over for years. It may just be something we have to live with at one level or another. But I think it was just a couple of weeks ago where, you know, you really had some doubts about where we were heading and it does feel like we're turning the corner. And so I appreciate for, in terms of COVID-19, I appreciate all of you who have been out there that have been listening to the podcast during covid that have been interacting either on social media or through emails or texts, whatever it may be. And those of us that have stuck together, I know a lot of you have even abandoned kind of your political infrastructure, your political beliefs to just sort of say, hold on a second, what's going on? How can we solve this problem? 
And if we are able to, you know, I was talking with a friend last night about this. I think that, you know, this would by far to me outweigh, outperform a person on the moon, you know, any other great quote unquote scientific achievement that we've had in modern history. I mean, we're living through something that will be a spectacular moment in human history if we're able to dial this in. Now, that's not to say that the hundreds of thousands of lives lost, over 2,500 here in the ocean state, uh, can be discounted in any way, shape, or form. But let's be honest about it. We're heading in a direction right now. We're in a period of time that should be hopeful to all of us. I know for me it is, and it's been tough. It's been taxing on your soul, your mental health for so many reasons. And I don't know. I just want to say thank you to all of you who are out there who have been providing optimism and a realistic vision of where we're at at various stages of COVID-19 here in the Ocean State. And let's hope we're moving into a place that we can all enjoy some semblance of normalcy, some semblance of excitement, (laughs) you know, and, and have a great summer. I mean, that's my goal right now. All right, let's get to today's conversation. Again, Mayor Frank Picosi, he was just elected as an independent in Warwick. Somewhat of an upset over Joe Solomon. Some political followers certainly were surprised by that victory. He's been a member of the Warwick community for decades and has established himself in enough little areas that he was able to build up the momentum to become the mayor of Warwick. And here he is right now, his first appearance on Rhode Island's podcast of record, B-Town. So, Mayor, welcome to uh, welcome to Bartholomew Town here, your inaugural appearance. And first of all, I guess, I mean, now you're a couple of months into your role as the mayor of the second largest slash third largest city, depending on <laughs> if you're counting the prison and so forth in exactly. Rhode Island. <laughs> What's it been like for you right out of the gate, just all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but now you're in this pretty significant role. How, what what has that done to you? What What is your life like now? Uh, my life is a lot different. I mean, I had a very relaxed, happy life being in private industry, but, you know, I love the job. It's a, you know, it's a challenge. Um, the city has, a, we have a lot of challenges uh, we're going through and, and COVID isn't helping. It's taking a lot of time. Um, I'm trying to set the city on a new course. Uh, we have problems to solve. COVID's not helping, with, uh, you know, um, but we're moving forward every day. It's, it's a job I love, though. What's the biggest challenge facing Warwick right now overall? Uh, well, it's, it's hard to pick one. I mean, um, the equipment, our fire trucks, our garbage trucks and all that, the fleet's been, uh, declining for years and nothing was done to address it. Um, so we're starting that process now. Money's always an issue. Uh, we had 30 layoffs, um, last year. We weren't able to provide quality services. Uh, we got away with it a little bit because of COVID. I mean, there weren't a lot of functions, but, um, you know, it's time to end that. I'm starting to recall workers because people want the services, the degree of services they had last year. Uh, we have um, a pool, the pool, uh, which people love. I mean, it's, it's a big part of the community. Um, it's It was let go due to lack of maintenance and um, over, over a couple of years. And uh, it's very expensive. We're over $60,000 right now. We're underway with repairs trying to get that open to the public. The rink has problems. Our recreational facilities aren't what they should be. Um, um, school buildings, it's, there's a lot of challenges. Warwick it's is a to prioritize. <laughs> well, Warwick is a diverse community, even geographically speaking. It's, it's physically large. There's coastal aspects, there's suburban aspects, there's somewhat urban aspects to it as well. Of course, you think about the schools and, and 
the 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 facilities there and the challenges that that they're in. I guess how have you been able to connect to the different elements of the municipality and and sort of rally them around what you've envisioned in terms of your mayoral program? Well, I didn't just appear. I've been involved in the community for years. I, I know a lot of people here. Um, a lot of people live here. I grew up with. I, I coach. I, I people have voted me that I coach when they were little girls. Um, I'm just. I've always been invested in the community, so I know the problems. I know the issues. I know the people. Um, I, I know what, what, what the concerns are. So I, I use that as a, a guide. I think about Warwick over the years, and you know, certainly in modern times, if you will, you've got Rob Cody. Ken Block and folks like that who have, have offered routine complaints at the same time you've had members of the political co-op who have, in some cases, run for election or have just offered significant complaints about the city. What do you say to the folks who have been, um, in some cases, making a name for themselves by sort of positioning themselves as against the status quo in Warwick? I listen to him. I mean, everyone has something to say. I can learn from from things. I mean, um, I, I've talked to Rob Cody a couple of times during my campaign. Nothing, you know, he just stopped by to see me and he told me of his concerns. I haven't had uh, large conversations with him. I've never really talked to Ken Block. I, I mean, but I, like I said, I do listen to what people have to say, um, no matter what their agenda, no matter what their complaints, because I think everyone has some should have input and what they say has some value. Uh, you know, I try to assess what everyone has to offer. What about the the notion of Warwick, you know, with the vaccine rollout? You were sort of one of the first municipalities, maybe even the first municipality to offer vaccine. I know you were doing it in East Greenwich, but how much of that program have you taken, uh, has the rest of the state, I guess, taken from, from original ideas that emanated from Warwick? Well, we had, we had the regional part. We took a part in that, and, and then the state told us that we could uh, do our own, which we did, and a lot of cities did. Um, initially, they gave us 390 doses, and that was like a surprise. We had 24 hours to come up with a plan. So we they told us 75-plus, so we did first come, first serve. But then they started giving us regular um, doses. We got It was supposed to be 540, but it ended up being 640. And we had our own pod, and um, this is our third. We just completed our third week. Um, this week was a little bit of a challenge because we, we switched from Moderna to Pfizer. Um, it's the problem with there. The challenge is um, with Moderna, you have four weeks in between the first and second shot. And with Pfizer, you have three weeks. So uh, we're going to have to double up on the last couple of weeks when we do the second shot. Uh, but we got it done. Uh, it, it takes a lot of resources. We, you know, we, we need a lot of people. We were able to get them. But um, now what the state's going to do is they're going to go back to regional parts. And, they, you know, they're going to have in geographic locations where it'll be in addition to the state sites. Uh, they're going to have in geographic positions around the state um, to make it convenient to people. What's something that, that people don't know about Warwick? throughout the state there's something that that stands out like i know i was surprised when i started discovering some of the during COVID. frankly as i've been i'm living in providence so i started driving around trying to explore some of the parks some of the woodlands that are that are in the city what what do people not know about warwick uh there's a lot of things a lot of hidden gems um yeah. you know everyone knows oakland beach and connecticut and rocky point but um yeah you know we have a lot of areas i mean uh the village of norwood um it's, it's people don't really know about unless you live there it's a very charming area uh the people are very community minded they have a great big gazebo there um you know they gather they're they're 
very active in their PTO. Uh, and Warwick has a lot of that. I, I mean, we're, you know, it's one big city, but it's kind of, we have a lot of little Mayberries in it. And um, people tend to stay in the areas and they grow up there and they, gener- they stay there for generations. Warwick's unique that way. Yeah, the Norwood Library. I mean, and that is a fascinating the area. Li- you know. The library, we they have, um, I think our last independent uh, drugstore is down there too. It is, right. Yeah, it's a, it's like I said. I love the people. I love the spirit. Um, you know, they're, they're just average, normal working people, and uh, it's just a, when I drive through there, it's just a great place. I just love seeing it, seeing the people out and about. But we we have that in Connecticut. We have it in Oakland Beach. I mean, um, Warwick has a lot of sections. We are united. I mean, I mean, everybody takes um, you know great pride in being a member of the city. You know, we have over eighty thousand people. But like I said, it's like a small town. You grew up here in generation stay. At least that's the way it's always been. You've got the airport, of course, so oh, there's yeah. always been challenges with that in terms of, in, in some cases, housing and, and housing near the airport, housing being removed for further construction of the airport. Right. TF Green is is appearing on all these national lists, and it is a good place to fly out of. There's no question about it. I mean, it's obviously right. a preference to Kennedy or Logan. There's no doubt about it. But What's that like? How, what is that relationship like? And, and what do you want to see in terms of growth from a tourism side with Warwick as a, as a presence regionally? Well, the airport, I mean, it, it is inconvenient. It's taken a lot from us. Um, some people really don't like it, but, you know, yeah. we try to live with it as best we can because it is a, a great um, revenue engine. I mean, we have the hotels and the restaurants here because of the airport. Um, it's left its mark. It's taken a lot of homes. It's taken, um, you know, we've closed schools, you know, because of it, because our population is going down. But, you know, it's just something we have to live with. I mean, it's it's right in the middle of the city, too. <laughs> you have to drive around. I'd prefer it was somewhere else. But it's here and it's here to stay. And um, I, I don't know if they have further expansion plans. It's something we always have to prepare for. So, like I said, we just try to make the best of the bad situation. All right, it's better of, than of, of these situation, I should say. Um, you know, it's uh, they they worked in partnership with the city over the years. Um, I'm going to talk to them soon about uh, maybe some beautification projects we could work together, make Post Road look a little better than it is. Uh, when they built the uh, the big parking garage, um, a lot of the uh, area rental agencies abandoned the lots, and they're just sitting there unused right now. Um, some of them, were, we have some development plans for them. Um, we, we have a lot of development coming up in Warwick, actually. It was kind of suppressed for the last couple of years, and it's bursting at the seams. It's going to increase the tax base. There are a lot of good projects there. Um, some will be residential. We have uh, pressing issues. We, we have um, several uh, schools that are closed down. They're just sitting there boarded up. Um, you know, they're getting broken into. It's uh, it's not a good it's not a good look. It, it looks horrible. But we're we're going to market those pretty soon. We're going to um, it's an asset for the city. We're going to market them. We're going to allow, allow development on them. Do you see those as becoming potentially what Pawtucket or I'm sitting in Elmwood right now in a converted loft building in in Providence? Do you get the sense that there's an opportunity for that brand of of development to take place and work with some of these old buildings where you're pushing towards entrepreneurs and work live spaces for artists or affordable housing capital and lowercase a for anyone out there is that something you see as emerging well we have um aldrich junior high school it's a it's a big building it's an old building um the architect that designed it actually designed city hall 
uh, we've had a lot of interest in that um, for housing, for elderly housing, but you know, there's something that has to go out to bid. Um, there are, there's land behind there um, and that will probably be subdivided. Then the other buildings we have are small buildings. They probably wouldn't be used for something like that. They're elementary school buildings. Yeah. I can't imagine, and they're not in great shape. I mean, roofs leak, uh, you know, those would probably be raised and, and it'd be, uh, you know, houses probably because they're, they're, they're all in areas where there's already housing. So we're not going to put anything commercial on those lots. You were part of a wave of new voices that either because of term limitations or just change in, in direction that took place in the, in the 2020 election. I guess what's the biggest difference on paper, if you will, between your administration and the Solomon administration? Uh, there's a lot of changes, but um, I, I'm not a politician. Uh, I, uh, I got here as an independent. I had no endorsements for any political parties or unions, and that's the way I'm running the city. It's totally independent. I think no one has any influence on me. When I went out and hired people, I, I mean, they were all new people. I didn't know. I didn't have anyone to bring with me. My campaign staff was my wife and my daughters. I mean, uh, you know, I didn't have anyone to give jobs. I had to go out and, and find people, and I found the best, most talented people I could. Um, it's a very open government. Um, the last administration was known for not talking to people, not letting people in. I, I do weekly reports. Uh, I talk to anyone that wants to talk to me and I listen to people too. And it's going to keep, st- it's going to stay that way. Yeah, certainly there was a, I don't know if it's bizarre is the right word, but there was some tension between the Warwick Beacon and the previous administration. Do you have a good relationship with John Howell in that paper? Oh yeah. He, he has a weekly meeting with us. Uh, he's a local newspaper. He's important to the city because he does a lot. He covers a lot of social events. Uh, I mean, the, the, he puts the kids' newspa- names in the newspaper when they make Eagle Scout. Um, it's it's a vital resource for the community, and I, you know, I, I give him all the courtesy that uh, we have possible. Uh, he, like I said, he has an, a, an appointment every Tuesday. And I, we talk to the press frequently too, probably too frequently. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, do you want to reach tens of thousands of Rhode Islanders each month? And not just any Rhode Islanders, Rhode Islanders who are plugged into politics, media, arts and culture, newsmakers, and all that is going on in the Ocean State. Well, we can help you do that through podcast, live stream, social media advertising, and much more. Send me an email, bill at ripodcast.com, or text me 401-524-6825. I heard you on Matt Allen, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, you know, Mm -hmm. over on WPRO, and... um, you know, it's it's interesting the position of mayor. Whether you're talking Warwick, Newport, I guess even Woonsocket, you know that is a voice that could rise to a statewide type of voice. I'm, it, I don't know if it would ever become mayor of Providence in terms of household name and so on and so forth. But do you would you like to see that that your role becomes more of a statewide uh, leader, if you will? That's that that more people and from. Narragansett to Nasonville know who you are and what your your goals are and what what's happening in Warwick. Uh, well, I, I my only concern is Warwick. I mean, yeah. I focus on here. Um, sometimes I, I think my antics <laughs> make me a little well known uh, because I, I I put everything right out there on social media and the press. Uh, you know, good, bad, and ugly. Whatever I do, people know about. Um, so, you know, if it spreads beyond that, you know, that, that's fine with me, but, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know if you're talking about me ever running for statewide office, cause that's not going to happen. This is my last stop. Yeah. And I, and that's interesting. That's not necessarily what I was, where I was going with it, just more in terms of the role being something that is one of those names that in Rhode Island politics that people know, like they know the mayor of Providence or they know you know, the, the secretary of state or whatever it may be. Do you see the Warwick mayor as being one of those things that more people know about? Um, 
I, I think the press has had a lot of interest in me because I just do things differently, you know, and, yeah. and I'm hoping that, you know, more government gets like this. I, I do everything out in the open. And, and you know, I, I just hope that encourages other mayors to do that. Um, I think people should know everything that goes on in government. Uh, it's one of the reasons I ran. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it'd be great if people, but as far as being well-known statewide, you know, I'm kind of press shy as it is. I get a lot of it, but I don't try for it. And I kind of resist a lot of it too. Yeah. Where, where do you see yourself politically in terms of, it's tough to say the left-right spectrum. A lot of times that stuff is just for simplification for, for people to put in boxes, but do you see yourself as a fiscal conservative? I mean, socially, where, where, how would you consider yourself, I guess, relative to other members of the Rhode Island political interfaces, I guess? Um, I'm kind of all over the place. I am a yeah. fiscal conservative. I believe in social programs. I, um, you know, I support the Second Amendment. I'm um, pro-choice. Um, I struggle with that too, because I, you know, I, I really, uh, you know, um, I don't like abortion, but, um, I'm a man and it's, it's I'm pro-choice. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm all over the place. I don't know if you could categorize me as anywhere as, as any one party. Um, that's why I stay in independent. Sort of like Lincoln Chafee coming out of the, uh, the same municipality, I suppose. Although, you know, he's, he's certainly probably at this point, I, don't, I guess he's a libertarian now technically, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could be anything now. He's a good man. I mean, I've known him for years. Um, I knew him when he was in this office. And, you know, he was a good man. He was an honest man. Um, his, I, I admired his father. He was kind of, uh, you know, he was a Republican, but I think he was pretty straight down the middle, too. Um, I, I, I can't say I'm a member of one party or another because right? I don't even really really lean one way or the other and my beliefs are my beliefs and I, I don't like to uh, stick to party beliefs so that's why I'm an independent kind of going back to the small town aspect of Warwick with sports what did you coach oh I coached girls softball um, for years and then I coached li- Little League I, I thought I was out of it when I retired because I coached in the 90s I was president of a, a girls softball league and at the time it was the largest one in America we had 900 girls and we had 68 teams um, that was a chore and then uh, I had a grandson and I, somehow I got drafted into Little League so I coached there too and I was the treasurer of the Little, little League Warwick is a hub for sports with the Rooney Complex with the indoor facility on jefferson boulevard just in general even over near norwood there's a there's a park there i can't remember the name of it but uh belmont belmont exactly and um is that something you'd like to see warwick state take more of a stake on in terms of there's some economic development certainly restaurant and other attractions that can grow around youth sports which are which are so huge here in rhode island yeah, our our recreation facilities are horrible in Warwick. I mean, yeah. they've been let go for years, and when they do improve them, they don't maintain them. And I'm actually putting together – I have it on my, my desk right now. I'm putting together um, a recreation committee, an advisory committee. Mm. I'm, I'm charging them with uh, – and I'm going to take people from all different sports and even, even the schools. Um, I'm going to charge them with coming up with a long-term ter- plan for improving the facilities and caring for them and uh, maintaining them. Uh, we can't do it all at once, but we have to start some. Somewhere and it's going to start now. What about school consolidation and so forth? Is that over at this point? Are things set where between vets as a junior high school and Tollgate and and things being established, do you sense more consolidation or shifts in the infrastructure of Warwick schools? Well, our our school population is down. I mean, with eighty thousand people, I mean, we're the problem is in, in Warwick. Our population has grown older. Um, I could tell you my neighborhood where there used to be 
dozens of kids at the school bus stop. There's a, there's a handful now. Uh, someday that's going to change when younger families move in and, and us old people move out. But um, you know, I, I, so I don't see any more consolidation. Um, we have some bonds going to improve the, the conditions of the current schools, but there's also a couple of plans on the table to improve the high schools. There is a, there's one to build a central large high school, but I'm not in favor of that one because it's logistically impossible. There's no way to put it in work where it wouldn't cause a, a nightmare. Um, but they, they have... Um, probably four or five options each for, for um, the two existing high schools, Pilgrim and Tollgate. And we're actually looking at that now. Um, it's something for the ballot in two years. And uh, it, it, even redoing the high schools, make them state of the art and something where it needs to do. I've always imagined for years driving down Route 2, I've always imagined when and how could there be a Route 2A or an expansion of that that sector of roadway, it doesn't feel as bad, obviously during COVID in terms of traffic, but yeah. that's a, that's a potential uh, log jam on a regular basis. Is there a traffic pattern and let's not even get into the app, app and the appinator or any of that, but is there a potential <laughs> traffic? I drive that every day. <laughs> can only imagine. Um, is there a potential traffic mitigation strategy that may make sense in the commercial hub of Warwick? You know, we're talking about by the Best Buy and, and, and yeah. that whole sector. Is there a way to improve that that could possibly happen without eminent domain or building some kind of Route 2A through existing um, housing? Uh, you froze up on me. Um, they've talked for years about coordinating the lights up there, the, the red lights, to make the traffic flow better. I don't think they've ever done it. Um, something we have to talk to DOT about. Unfortunately, when they built Route 2, um, a lot of, if you go up to, to uh, South Attleboro and you see their stores, they have the traffic almost in the parking lots. It connects that way. Yes. And it, Route 2 was just kind of built piecemeal because I don't think ever, anyone ever thought there was going to be development up there. Because uh, way back in the 80s, there was so much ledge up there and no one ever thought they were going to build anything. And then I, I, I just wasn't, you know, a lot of thought put into it. And, and the traffic is a nightmare, but um, I, I think that would be a hard one to solve. It's uh, kind of like Middle Spring Avenue. What could you ever do about that? Right. Um, right. And, and then Middle Spring Avenue is where I compare everything to. When you talk about the traffic on Route 2, I say go to Middle Spring Avenue any time of the day and it's it's worse. Uh, I, I, it would, it would be great if there's a plan and I'd also like to, you know, route two, it's, um, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to see the sidewalks redone and better street lamps. Cause it just, you know, it, it's not as attractive as it could be. Yeah. That's interesting. More of a main street feel. Obviously it's tough to have main street exactly. with target and Best right. Buy, but it's, you know, at the same time, the, the vibe could be there. Um, last couple of questions here. What, what, what's your message to someone who is looking to relocate right now? Maybe they're looking to buy a home, rent a home, whatever it may be. Why Warwick? Uh, our tax rates are one of the lowest in the state for this, especially for the services we provide. Um, you know, we have top-notch services. We 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 take we pick up, we uh, pick up the trash, uh, recycling. We have um, Providence Water. We have sewers in most of the areas. Uh, we have you know the schools are coming back. I, I mean, you know, we have some work to do on them, but they're they're still you can still get a quality education here in Warwick. Um, we're going to start improving the facilities we have. Uh, 39 miles of shoreline. Um, we have great restaurants. We have great people. It's a, it's a just a wonderful community to live in. Last question for for someone who is um, a lifelong member of. I think I think you said your oldest resident is 105 years old. Yeah, you know, 106. 106. 106. Just had a birthday. Wow. Well, happy birthday out there. Um, what's the legacy of Warwick? I mean, we could go all the way back to Samuel Gorton. We could go back to Indigenous times. 
do you feel that a place like Warwick, you know, my parent, my, my mom grew up in Cranston. I feel like there's a, there's a gap in terms of that history, if you will, that legacy of the city that as new people come in, the, the stories, the, the historical aspects of it, the recent history gets somewhat lost. What would you like to see communicated about Warwick's history over the last 106 years that other generations can continue to work to build upon? Uh, the way Warwick's grown, I, I mean, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Warwick history. I, I see the picture of, of the things that used to be here. Warwick is just like everywhere else in Rhode Island. You, you give directions by where things used to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, we still say um, where Jack in the Box used to be instead of where Five Guys is. and used to be Lums and not um, Hooters. Uh, you know, Warwick has a, a, a great sense of itself. Um, it, the, a lot of people, like I said, they've lived there. I've lived here since 1968, and, uh, you know, I'm still kind of a newcomer. I, I see yeah. people that just grew up here. They stayed here. Their parents were here. Uh, I don't think that's ever going to go away in Warwick, and it's just something we like to keep going, to. Rhode Island's podcast of record, B-Town, 